Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number 57. Number 57 of the Wet Podcast, Writing, Education, and Technology. I'm your host, Eric Marshall. Today's guest is Ashley R. Carlson. She's the first repeat guest I've had. You might remember her from two years ago or so on episode 9. We talked about her first book and completing uh, NaNoWriMo. We also talked about beta reading and things like that. Uh, you can find a link in the show notes at The Wet Podcast to that episode, episode number nine. Uh, I have Ashley back on now, two years later, to check in with her about her uh, editing business that she has started in the interim, uh, the sequel to her first book, um, and a bunch of other stuff. We talk about kind of just making a living doing uh, editing and writing and things like that and it's a really good interview uh, just like the first one was you can find this podcast on itunes stitcher and everywhere else that you generally find podcasts i do appreciate reviews if you have the time to go do that appreciate it uh, once again you can find all this stuff at the without further ado let's get into the interview with ashley r carlson Welcome to episode number 57 of the Wet Podcast. Well, I have with me Ashley Carlson for the second time. Uh, you might remember Ashley from episode number nine, where we talked about um, a lot about NaNoWriMo, actually, but also about beta readers and um, drafting process and time management and uh, just kind of publishing, <laughs> right, a lot of stuff, uh, publishing yeah. a new novel, uh, first novel, actually, right, uh, all that stuff. So two years later, here we are. And and uh, I thought it would be fun to have Ashley on again to talk about where she's been, how, you know, how the progress she's made, her second book, which is coming out, oh, just in a couple of weeks here. So, hey, Ashley, Yay. how you doing? <laughs> good. It's good to see you again. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, <clears throat> I was I was telling you before we started recording that I I, li- I re-listened to the previous episode and it was it was so full of kind of evergreen information it's, and it's well worth listening to uh in my humble opinion <laughs> lots of lots of good stuff so when we talked last you were just about to publish uh the charismatics right um, yeah and now you're just about to publish the sequel to that yeah which is right? the authority it took me two years which is way too long <laughs> things that that happens. Trust me. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man. But um, I think a lot has probably changed for you in that time. So let's uh, let's let's talk about the sequel. How's the uh, I, I should just say that I, I read the I read your first book and I loved it. I thought it was great. I love the characters. I love the settings. I love the, the tone. It was so I'm really looking forward to, to this one. Uh, what's, Thank what, you so much. What's it about? Um, it is obviously, yes, the sequel. It's continuing the story of all the main characters. Uh, I will say that it got a lot darker than the first one. And it's funny that you mentioned the tone, you liked the tone. And I feel like uh, it's just been a natural progression of a character who starts out really naive, innocent, you know, doesn't really know what, who she is or what's going on in the world. 
And then that throughout the first book, she obviously had a very rude awakening of like just so many things going wrong. And then at the end of the first book, obviously there was a lot of death. There was a lot of um, really terrible things that happened to her. So I feel like the second book is um, her basically trying to deal with that, with the friends passing, with um, various things happening. I don't want to like give away the ending or anything, but uh, it just, it got a lot darker. And uh, I actually think that it was interesting because I was kind of in a mental place of like a darker place. Mm -hmm. So it's, and I'm not sure what kind of book I would have written if I had written it right after the first one. Mm. I think that I needed that time to obviously grow and get older and go through some experiences and that those experiences really, really impact impacted what I ended up writing. And uh, I just, I hope people like it and kind of can follow along with like the journey of these characters going into just a much more uh, dangerous place mentally, emotionally, physically, and while also keeping it really action packed. So that was something I wanted to make sure of too. I think your readers will follow you there. I hope so. I mean, I, I, um, I know we're going to talk about beta readers in a bit, but my mom is like one of my number one readers because she's very honest with me and she will say like, this isn't working for me. <laughs> and she kind of told me in the beginning, there was like uh, some parts where it was a little bit slower because it was like basically planning, planning. How are, how are we going to do this? How are we going to stage this attack? So to speak. And that was a couple chapters and so she was just like, I keep on waiting for something to happen. I really think that the first book was just like constantly something happening. It's very action packed. That's how I like to, that's stuff I like to read. Um, and then I try to like, obviously translate that in my work. So for the second one, I cut down some of the conversation. I cut down some of the little bit of side characters. Like I love my side characters, but I feel like you know, I was telling people things they didn't really need to know. Um, and I just try to stick to the action and I, I really like the product. So beta reading is awesome. Cause if you have honest people like that is the best, otherwise you don't really know how you're kind of like, I have no idea how good this, how good or terrible this is. Right. Yeah. I need somebody can. to tell me. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we well, we can jump right into beta readers since it, since it came up, but because uh, you were nice enough to include me in your beta reading group, and oh, yeah. I was terrible. I didn't even. Get, I was so busy in October. No, no, just, honestly, <laughs> so. honestly it, it's okay because I had a lot of people, and you know, I'll tie this into like beta reading in general. Yeah. You don't want a ton of opinions because right. if you have like more than five just going to be like, whoa, oh my gosh, everybody has a different opinion. So yeah. well, I think that like, I think I had four, four people get back to me, which is the perfect amount, maybe, maybe four or five and like just varying amounts. Some people went through the manuscript and, you know, commented throughout and they were very thorough and that was nice. But then I also had other people who were just like, overall, this is how I felt or overall, this part did this for me. And that's really helpful too. It just gives you a way to gauge like what has, what I was trying to say is, has it come across or, or not? And that's really helpful. But I mean, I, 
I don't really want or need more than like a couple. I think that if anything, I mostly sent it out early because I thought if people want to read it, um, they'll see it in this kind of messy form, but it's going to pretty much stay the same um, overall. And then they could review it, you know, as soon as possible. So that's like the, that's the other caveat of like sending out a manuscript before publication is because you want as many reviews as possible when you publish right away, because, (laughs) because that will help you on Amazon and stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Look at that cutie. (laughs) Ashley's laughing because we're on video right now and she can see um, my cat pushing against my microphone <laughs> as she's talking. So he just loves <laughs> So, um, so it gets you more visibility on Amazon because you have early readers and you have, you, you'll probably get early reviews and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the more that when you, when you publish just the more activity that happens on your page, when you publish the better, because Amazon will like translate that as, Oh, this is a book that people are, reading, reviewing, we're going to recommend this to more people. So that's how you become an Amazon. Oh, I'm an Amazon bestseller today. I'm in the top 10 or I'm in the top, whatever, top a hundred fantasy. You want people buying it and reviewing it on your, on your release day. So, right. And so that work starts well before release. Right. And that's. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, some publishers, some publishers months and months before release. Mm -hmm. And I obviously I don't have a huge marketing team or anything like that, but I try to do what I can. (laughs) Right. Right. Of course. Um, I will, uh, you know, one thing I will do. So the the second book is a sequel to the first book. So if someone Uh wants to read it, they should read the first book first. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, which I, which again, I, I definitely recommend, uh, with without yeah. reservation, especially if you're into it's it's kind of a uh, steampunk fantasy sort yep. of steampunk yep. exactly yep. steampunk fantasy uh, kind of in the vein of I feel like a little bit of the Hunger Games of you know a, a girl who's taking on her government, but I do think it's different because it yeah. has these spiritual and supernatural elements that. I, I always like when I kind of tell people about it, I say it's kind of like the golden compass series and by Philip Pullman, where it's got this, those steampunk elements and that kind of exploration of different dimensions, different realms, what is in that other realm. And that's kind of what the second book is, is really exploring that more. Like what is, who is talking to us right now in this other dimension? Okay. And the big question is, are they good? Because in the first book, they were kind of like seeming like they were good. They were wanting to join forces with the underdogs. But in the second book, I wanted to kind of keep it up in the air where people where Ambrose, the main character is like, I don't think that they are on our side. I think that they're malicious. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of being revealed throughout the second book is, learning more about who they are, why they're in another place. And basically we should not engage with them, but she's undermined by these, several of these groups are trying to contact them. So cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. It sounds very complex. It's great. And it's very character driven too, which is nice. You know, it's very much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, oh, I have like so many, so many people loved Roan, who is her, you know, her companion, her, mm-hmm. basically her little sidekick. Mm-hmm. And I just had so many, he is probably, he is her, everyone's favorite character from what I, you know, when people tell me about him and I actually did write this book from his perspective and her perspective oh, okay. because cool. they are in, they're in two different places and they, you know, I wanted people to get to be with him and get to be close to him and be in his mind. And he's really hilarious. Like he, I like, I really like being in his, in his point of view. Cause he's, He's just like this really sassy, snarky character. And so that was fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Not not that you know anything about that, about being sassy and snarky, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like all the, all the facets of myself, like, you know, as a writer, you get to explore all these like areas of yourself that you'd never be in real life, but that, you know, you kind of get to explore in mm-hmm. the safety of a fantasy world. And I'm like, oh, wow, like, I, I didn't know that was in me, but apparently it is. <laughs> I, I know what you mean, for sure. <laughs> so um, so since we last spoke, you, um, you've you started what seems to be a very thriving editing business, editing and ghostwriting. Yeah. Uh, yes, thanks for saying that. It's thriving. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a million questions about that, but I'll try to list them. <laughs> but um, okay. So, <laughs> uh, first of all, let's just go into a quick overview. Like, what, now that's kind of your main main gig, right? Writing and editing is kind of what you do now, right? This is kind yeah. of your, your life, right? Uh-huh. Um, I know. I am, yeah. Yeah. So, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. what, and what type of editing do you do? Uh, I would say that the most common job is uh, somebody's book manuscripts. And that's awesome because that's my favorite thing to edit. I I have edited blogs or, you know, a lot of website content for different web, different companies. They have a website and they don't, they don't know about AP style. Like they don't, and that's totally, you know, that's what I'm here for. So, Mm -hmm. um, I, I have done that, but I would say mostly my jobs consist of editing people's books. And it seems that a lot of my clients find me because they've read my book and they liked it and they want, they want me to help them with theirs. And it's been a huge blessing because I don't really market, you know, I don't, I haven't paid for marketing, but I just, my name's out there and people, clients have continued to find me for, uh, I've been, uh, full time for a year and a half and I'm booked for like the next three months solid. So I just do, I'm like, have a lot of jobs, <laughs> which is really awesome. I keep on waiting for it to like, you know, go away. I'm like, Ashley, <laughs> just be mentally prepared to be a waitress again. Like, <laughs> right. Right. That's yeah. What I said, this is just like that, fun. Yeah. That's what you were doing. Oh yeah. Like after I first, I, after I finished the first book, I basically had run out of money cause I had quit my job and wrote the book and, you know, worked on it for like six months. It's published. Then I re- like, that was the end of 2014. So then I'm like, okay, I'm poor and I need a job. So I went and started working at a restaurant again. I worked there for a couple months. And during that time, people were contacting me 
to edit their stuff. And I was like, that was before I even had a company before I had an LLC. I was like, okay, people are really wanting my, my feedback. Maybe I could turn this into something. So, uh, and like after about four months of my book being released, I quit at the restaurant and I started my own business. And since then it's just been, I've been booked pretty much solid since April of 2015. And I've had like a little bit here or there where I was kind of slow, but honestly, I took that time to work on uh, a short story or to work on my various other writing endeavors. So it's been really awesome. That is, that Huge is awesome. blessing. And you do different types. So you do yeah. copy editing, proofreading, um, more developmental editing, stuff like that, right? I, yes, I I love developmental editing because that's looking at the story as a whole and exploring that, you know, the characters, the motives, the conflict, the, the stakes, these are all things that like, I just find so fascinating and I love helping people to just identify those parts of their story and just like really bring them out. But I'm also very grammatically like a perfectionist and I know um, the rules and I know that the style guides, like there's two main style guides, Chicago manual and AP style. And so I know all the rules about that and I'm, I'm happy to do copy editing as well, which is mostly like just making the sentences flow and working on the, you know, the tone and stuff like that. So I, I would say that I equally do as much developmental as I do copy editing. And I like them both. I, they're both awesome. And I, I, I think I'm really good at both, but if I had to choose, like, what do I have more fun doing? It would be developmental because I really like examining and exploring the story. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have, so, um, I should just tell everybody that I, I hired you to do, uh, what you call the editorial review for my memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I really like that kind of level of, of, um, editing because a lot of times like a, de- a true developmental edit, um, you know, at most places is very, very expensive. Right. And it's, it's thorough. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's, it's very expensive. Usually we'll start before you finished writing and all that stuff. And you've got this editorial review, which is kind of, I think between like, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a developmental edit, but, but light. Right. Is that as it Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, right. It's like, I, I offer the, re- the review is like a three to five page summary mm-hmm. of my overall, you know, take from it and definitely very, very reminiscent of a developmental edit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, though, it's just, it's less because a developmental edit, like for instance, with the client that I'm working on right now, uh, their novel is about 65,000 words and my summary will be about 20 pages worth totally. of notes. And yeah, I mean, I know it, it can vary between 10 and 20 pages, just depending on how much they how much I feel like they need to maybe change or explore or think about, or I need to highlight, this is a plot hole. This is something that's not explained. This is, I think you could take this further. I think you need this. I think you need that. And, um, but for the editorial review, I think that part of like, what are the things that I took away from this? I think Mm -hmm. it's a really good way to like get a read on your manuscript. So yeah. I, I like, I think it's, it's a good, good way to start for sure. 
Yeah, it's a great it's a great level. It's more affordable, which is nice. But you know, you gave me you gave me some very very good advice on my memoir. Um, you were you know detailed in in some you know in some areas of it, and then you had these more general holistic comments that were um, that were really helpful and really gave me a new direction for the memoir. Um, ultimately, I re I. I don't know if it was your comments or not that it caused me to rethink publishing it at all. You know, whether I should break it up into uh-huh. smaller chunks or, or make it more fiction, but that's more because it's a memoir and it's personal and some of that stuff, ah, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I want it yeah. out there out there right now, you know, yeah, but, um, I understand. But you, yeah, but you helped me get through that and figure out like what, cause I knew something was wrong. I, not wrong, but I knew something wasn't working for it. And, and you uh-huh. identified exactly what that was. And you did it in a way that was well, not threatening or not, you know what I mean? It was, uh, you know, it was from a place of uh, constructive criticism, you know, and it was yeah, really helpful. So. That is something that I try to do really is uh, I look at it like, you know, in any relationship, when you are criticizing you want it to be like 90% or nine times compliments and like 10% criticism or whatever. And obviously sometimes I I am doing a lot more, more criticism than compliments, but I really do try to word it in a way that like this, is these are your strengths. And then, you know, this is how we can, this isn't working, but this is how it can. Right. And so always, I don't want somebody to feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm a terrible writer. I should never do this. And (laughs) I, I am a writer. I know what it's like to have people criticize. I mean, and I've had people be like, I couldn't even finish this book, you know, the charismatics. And that's totally fine. Like that is life. That is when you create something, not everybody's going to love it. So I think the fact that I know what it's like to get that criticism, I at least, uh, you know, come to it with like, I want to just be uplifting and I want your book to be the best it can be. I'm not here to tear it down. Mm-hmm. I'm here to highlight the issues and then, right. and then offer some suggestions on how you can fix them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you do it. That's what I as, try far to as, do. <laughs> as far as my experience, you did a, you did a great job of that because you're right about the, you know, with teaching, we, there's a sandwich method where you, you do a compliment and then the criticism and the compliment. So you sandwich. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, you know? um, I don't always do that. Exactly. But <laughs> when I was teaching high school, I did. Now I'm like, eh. <laughs> but maybe I should get back to that. <laughs> you can you take know? it. Yeah. But, right, exactly. But, but, but when you do the compliments too, or the what's working, that has to be honest as well in order to, you know, for it to work. But yeah. Obviously. Um, yeah. I'm not even going to ask you. I, I'm not even going to ask you if you have like if you've got because it might be mine. But if you've gotten manuscripts that are just so terrible, like you're like this person should not even be a writer. But I don't even uh, know. you know that's that's okay to ask. And I would say that I have definitely come across some really really um, difficult manuscripts to edit, and I did feel like there was a lot that needed to change. But everybody I've worked with has been really, really understanding. And they were like, you know, if I was, if I said, you know, this is just like so wordy, I have to cut all of this and combine like they, at first people can get defensive, Mm -hmm. but I think they realize, okay, um, this is somebody one I hired because she's an expert. She knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. I trust her to be honest with me. 
And, you know, I have one book, I have one awards and I've won, you know, I have a couple distinctions with my book. And I just think that, you know, when you, when you want to work with an editor, hopefully you've done some research into like what kind of stuff they write, what people have said, and that you do respect their opinion. Because when I am coming to them and saying that it's, it's not to be cruel. It's to be, it's to be honest and be like, look, this is where you're at. This isn't working. Um, and really massive, massive changes need to take place for it to work. But I do think that, you know, you're like, you, these are awesome. Or I love the idea of like the overall idea. You just need to change this. So right. I, I would think probably the, the most issues I've run into would be like erotica and romance. I feel like, uh, to kind of toggle the line between, uh, an unhealthy relationship and a passionate, uh, one. And I just feel like, like some writers are writing these characters that are very unhealthy. They have a very unhealthy obsession with one another and so it's like, I want, I want them to, you know, write their fantasy and like people can, you know, they, they like that, but how can you make this person healthier? Like how, like give them some hobbies or like, how can they, <laughs> how can they give them a hobby? <laughs> I need a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's just like, I obviously am coming from a place of a psychology standpoint, which is healthy relationships, healthy mental health, mental health and emotional health and well-being. So Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to read something and be like, this is okay." when I feel that the message they are sending is an unhealthy codependency, et cetera. So I would say like that is the main issue where I've run into really, really suggesting major changes for books like that. And I'm like, I know this might not be what the message you're trying to to send or something, but like, this is my honest opinion. And if you're a woman and you believe in female empowerment, then you need to change some of some major things here. That's interesting. Yeah. So in case people people haven't figured it out, you also come from a psychology background, a background in psychology. Yeah. Probably obvious yeah. at this point, but uh, which is nice, for, <laughs> which is good for writing, right? Of course. Now I'm thinking about the oh, manuscript. Yeah. I, thinking about the manuscript I sent you, which is all about unhealthy relationships and depravity, and kind of like a downward spiral of. <laughs> of um, <laughs> no, but of, I uh, you know. I loved it. it <laughs> I think that's different than and a fiction. Even a fiction can have that and explore that. Yeah. But I think that the, what what I was what I was um, running into was that people didn't realize that's how it was coming across. Right. It right. was like they didn't realize this is a downward spiral. Yeah. They were like they thought it was a sexy story, and I was like, no, <laughs> this is emotional abuse right now. Oh man. So that seriously, that is what I've run into is yeah. Okay. Like, wow. so they are not treating each other. They are not treating each other well. Like, and say, hey, man, I love bad boys. I love romance. I mm-hmm. love that tension. There's just, there is a line. You have to toggle the line between somebody being a bad boy and somebody being abusive. So yeah. that's, that's kind of like, I think the main issue that I've run into the most is with fiction is, 
is just with characters, you know, uh, like just figuring out what's appropriate, what's, what's not, what's the perception that you're, that people are having that you maybe don't realize. What are the messages so, you're sending? Anyway. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's good. You do ghost. You do ghost writing as well. Yeah, uh, that I saw that was in the outline. Um, I do. <laughs> I I write, and it's kind of all encompassing, like content writing as well as. I, I say content writing. That's website content. That's okay. blog posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. I do that as much as like probably an equal amount of jobs like that as I do like, uh, you know, write, write me this novella. I do have clients who something and they put their name on it and that is totally okay. I'm okay with that. I expect that. That's what it is. That's what the job is. And I'd say like people probably, ask me the most questions about ghostwriting and just being like, why, why would you do that? You're going to write something and let, let somebody like put their, put, put their name on it. And I basically tell them like, okay, I can make more from writing this than I I'm making on my books right now. I'm telling, like, I literally make way more getting paid up front and Uh, unless it was to be like a celebrity or somebody who is going to be selling thousands of copies, I, I don't worry about asking for royalties. Mm -hmm. I give the copyright away. I just, I really, I'm taking that risk of whether it will blow up and become a bestseller or not. I don't know, but I I'm willing to take that risk because uh, that's how I make a living right now. Now, if I was a, you know, making a living on my books, I don't think that I would ghost write for somebody else because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to, And but I do love it. I love writing and I'm like, Hey, I'm getting paid, you know, a couple thousand dollars, like to write something that I love doing. This is my dream, my passion that I think that's really awesome. And I'm just happy that anybody wants to, and whatever they want to do with the book afterwards, that's, that's totally their prerogative. Yeah. Well, I guess if it did become a bestseller, they'd probably come back to you for the, for the sequel or for something else. So you can actually, you <laughs> yeah. know, then you can, then and you then can start talking. Like, yeah. Now I get the royalty. <laughs> right. Now that, now we renegotiate. Right. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I've always been curious about ghostwriting just in general. Now the content writing and website writing, I totally get, I think that's a very common, uh, Common practice, right? To do to do that sort of uh-huh, thing. It yeah. was the fiction ghostwriting that I was uh, kind of curious about because of the. But you're saying novellas and shorter stuff, right? And um, and novellas, shorter stuff. Novels are. See, the reason I haven't written novels for pe- a lot of people are is because they're expensive. Because yeah. I mean, really, for the time I charge thirty five an hour hour. And so it's like, okay, how many hours is that for a 60, 70,000 word novel? That's, that's like $4,000. So, you know, that's a lot. And I totally understand that. And so I try to deliver the best story, the best novella I can, uh, with somebody's budget, but honestly, 4,000, I've seen some ghostwriters that are like, I charge fifty thousand dollars for a book and i was like what like i thought that was insane there my prices are super low <laughs> compared to other people wow. Wow. yeah it's you pretty might, crazy you might want to revisit that. i feel like that is a total <laughs> scam and i was like okay you are a scam artist and <laughs> right. you should be in jail <laughs> wow. 
Gotcha, gotcha. I'm like, please, I hope nobody ever hires you because that is such mm-hmm. a scam. I try to be as you know affordable as possible. I'm literally making a very meager living, but I'm making a living. And I, so that is just, that's my ultimate goal is to deliver the best product I can at the best price. Yeah. I know it's, I know it's not a necessity. Editing isn't a necessity is, uh, these are these people, you know, people's dreams and passion and I want to help them. So yeah. I try the best I can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's yeah, it, it pricing yourself is difficult. I run into the same thing with my uh with my tutoring business and with other like freelance stuff I do. It's hard to figure out what the price is, like where where the market is, what you can get away with, what you want, what you feel good about in terms of yeah. not being too low or not being too high. You know, that's that's yep. always a problem. One of the one of the other questions I have, and this is kind of uh, reflects one of my own problems. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it at you. Um, you were talking about waiting tables earlier, right? Well, you know, I've waited tables before and I've done all that. And there is one one good thing about doing a job that. Um, where you you go to work, you do your work, and you come home. One good thing about mm-hmm. that is like work is work and home is home, and that's and there's a there's a very clear distinction between those two things. Okay, and yeah, yeah. you know where I'm you know where I'm going with this. So oh yeah, um, <laughs> right. So like when I go to tutor, like when when I leave here, I have to go tutor some kids. That's super easy. I just go, I help them through. It's mostly ACT, whatever you know, no big deal. But when I come home and I sit in front of my computer. I want to write, but then, you know, just one tab away is all the grading I have to do or emails from students or things like that, right? So, so running an editing business, you know, this is all on your own, all from home. To me, I, um, because I've thought about doing that myself because I'm not too bad at doing mm-hmm. calc- all those years of grading and having a PhD in English. You know, I could probably, oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, but the thing that gets me is that I, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of afraid because I, to me, there's this big conflict, you know, with time management and with, you know, kind of, I don't know, kind of commingling my workspace and my other space. Is it going to get in the way of my writing? How do you manage that aspect of it? Uh, I definitely is an, a struggle, um, mm-hmm. and I get where you're coming from. I would say that this job is not for a lot of people, and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> freelancing because yeah. to be a freelancer you really do you need to be a self-starter you need mm-hmm. to be um always available to your clients like for the most part i mean because i'm single and i am not a parent mm-hmm. i am available all the time and mm-hmm. i will email my clients back usually immediately like i am talking to people on sunday night friday night at 10 p.m. like i i i work anytime, all the time. And I I think that because I love doing this and because I don't really have anything else taking my time away that I can be available to my clients or, you know, to running this business. Now, when other responsibilities come up, that is going to be finding that balance. And I do think a lot of freelancers that I know and I'm friends with that I work with, they take off the weekend or they give themselves like after 10 PM, I am unplugged. And I don't do that because I just, I don't feel like I need to right now. I could definitely um, do that later on and I probably will. So 
And I don't really have a problem with that. It's like, you know, when I'm away from work, I'm away. And I would, I would make that clear to my clients. Like I am not available on the weekends or something like that. Mm -hmm. Regarding getting stuff done. I definitely don't have a problem with that in the sense that I'm just really hard on myself and I give myself really like tight deadlines. And I feel like when somebody is paying me and they're expecting something from me, I really, really want to deliver like the best product at the fastest amount of time, you know, that's thorough. I would say that like, it does impact my writing because, uh, yeah, when I have a lot of jobs, I, I have a hard time putting those aside to do my personal writing because I'm a freelancer. I can take the time where like I designated this, uh, the month of July to finish my, to write, to write my book, the, the sequel. So sorry, that was my dog jumping on the door. Um, so I took off a month and I was like, okay, everybody, I'm not working on July. Like I'm, you know, I'm not working during July. I'm going to literally write my book the whole time. And that's what I did. And I do think that like for me to get stuff done, I I have to either be fully immersed in my fiction or fully immersed in my editing. And so I kind of go back and forth. Uh, Sometimes maybe I do both. Like I'm working on the book and then I'll take a couple days and do the editing job and then get back to my book. But to do both on the same day for me or the same, you know, it doesn't really work for me. I, I really like doing one or the other. And because I can make my own schedule, I'm able to do that. And I do think it would be, it's a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. When you're trying to do both and you, or maybe you just want to like be away from work. I'm never away from work. Like Mm -hmm. I can get an email at any time and then I feel that pressure to respond. So it's, it's got pros and cons. I do think that if you're good, if you're somebody who has good time management, you know, it's, it's not a problem. I know like a lot of friends of mine I've talked to, they're like, how do you just, I would just sit and watch TV all day. Like, you know, (laughs) if you don't have a boss or something, you don't have somebody like telling you what to do. And I, I think that just because my personality is very like self-starter, like I have the pressure that I want to get it done. I don't need anybody else telling me, obviously I wrote two whole novels. Nobody was telling me to do it. So I, That's interesting. You know, that was I, not, not exactly the answer I was expecting, which is interesting. So I, I thought you were going to say, uh, you know, I spent two hours in the morning writing uh, my own writing and I spent four hours editing and I spent an hour writing or whatever. But no, you're like, OK, it's all day editing or it's all day writing. And then and then I never yeah. thought about that with freelancing. You can just take a month off if you've you know got the money saved and you worked a lot in yeah. May and June. And then you can just take July off. You can set those boundaries exactly. and give yourself that time to do that. That's, that's really interesting. And then you're not, you know, you don't, it's not like you have to have an eight hour shift at the bar or whatever, you know, it's like, okay, this is my time yeah. and this is my work and this is what I'm yeah. doing. So it's not like a couple hours here and a couple hours there. It's like a full day here and a whole day hit there, or a week here, whatever exactly. it might be. And you can kind of craft that the way you want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People say that. Yeah. People always, I, I don't know about you, but people always, um, I've got kind of a hybrid thing going on. You know, I have to be at school to teach on certain days and I have grading and I have to tutor on certain days. But most, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's 1230 in the afternoon. I'm still home. It's kind of nice, right? Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Yeah. Just a little anecdote. My sister called me yesterday at nine forty-five a.m. and uh, she's like, "Oh, I was. I wasn't sure if you'd be sleeping or not." I'm like, "Sleeping? 
I've been up for hours. I, I gave her a list of everything I had done, you know, already, you know, I, you know, yeah. I was kid to school. I did some writing. I went to the bank. I, you know, <laughs> come on, sis. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I've been productive. Today. Yeah. People have this idea of like, oh, you're just going to sit around and watch TV, right? I do have days like that. But for me, it's more. Yeah. <laughs> see, for me, it's more like the guilt. Like if I'm writing, I feel guilty because I'm not grading. Or if I'm grading, I feel bad because I'm not writing. Right. Because I can't really take mm-hmm. a month off. From, but I do have summers off kind of from teaching. But and, I, you know, I find the time and I, I section it off. But I always worry. Like I would like to um, get in my car less often. OK. And so to me, yeah. Like yeah, like a freelance or a, a distance learning or something like that sort of situation would be good for that. Um, you know, so I can write and stuff. But I always worry, like, how will I manage my time? But it's that's it's that's an interesting approach. I like I like your approach. Thank you. I like it. I think that uh, for me, yeah, it just works way better because I, when I'm working on my stuff, I want to be just fully there the whole day and just like give my all that day and then like do that for a week or something or however long, how much time I have and not feel kind of the like worth because I just feel like my energy is, is most like, I just have the most energy in the, in the morning to like the early afternoon. And so then by like later afternoon, I'm pretty much tapped out mentally. Mm-hmm. So yeah. something is, something is not going to get as much, I guess, de- like as much creativity or as much, whatever, it, you know, editing, being a perfectionist. So uh, yeah, I like taking, I like to do that where I, I might take a day, do this, then a day with that. And like, the thing is with my jobs, they're, they're small. So it's like, it takes me, uh, like a week or something for an editing job. So I can do that. And then maybe I have like a couple days before my next job starts. So then I'll do it that way. I just, yeah, I'm all or I'm an all or nothing person. I've always been like that. Oh, I see. I can't really, but like, yeah, I'm all, I'm all in on one thing and then I'll go all in. Like, I don't know how some people write two different manuscripts at once or that they say, Oh, I'm working on two books. I'm working on two ideas. I'm like, what? Like, how are you able to do that? I, I am all in on one thing. I can't, I don't really want to go anywhere else. I'm like, no, until this is done, I'm on this. So yeah, works for me. (laughs) You know, on your uh, first novel, when I was listening back to our conversation, I I believe, I remember you saying you did five drafts of the novel. Full drafts, you know, Uh, I think people thought that, that I meant full drafts. And I was like, no, this I mean, revisions, like it's, you know, I revised things, I cut things out, I added things, but I didn't write a whole other draft. I wrote a, a blog post that was um, about like just my process and it got picked up by the passive voice, which is like a really yeah. popular blog. I talked about how many drafts that I wrote and like so many people commented that that was crazy. That was a huge amount of drafts. Why would I do that? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. I don't really know why you're getting so upset. <laughs> like I, everybody has a different process. If you only write two drafts and it's good and people like it, then fine. Congratulations. But um, I think that it takes several revisions and drafts, but yeah. So for the first book, I did five drafts altogether based on beta feedback, based on uh, my editor's feedback and a final proofread. This one has been four altogether. So, okay. yeah, I, I took it as revisions, not full drafts when you, when I heard it. Oh, that's what I was saying from the very beginning. And you just went off on such a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's how I took it. So um, now when it comes to the final like, copy editing and proofreading, I'm assuming you send that to someone else or do you do it yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I sent that to uh, somebody else and, but you know, people, human error. And the thing is, if they comment on something and they're like, I, I didn't really understand this. I'm like, oh, okay. I need to explain this more. Mm-hmm. So then I still found typos because I added a little bit of info oh, right. and um, so then the formatter, he, he found a couple typos and he asked me, Oh, do, you know, I'll fix these. So it's like, they just always find their way in. It's really annoying. They're like, like cockroaches or something. Like they yeah. just always you, find a way in. <laughs> you never, you can, it's very hard to see your own mistakes. Right. Awful. Yeah. yeah. But I tell myself like, okay, Diana Gabaldon, like, her, you know, her stuff has a typo and she has a whole publishing team. So I, I try to give myself a little bit of leeway and be like, okay, I am me, myself and I, and that is, you know, I'm doing the best I can. And I think that in, in comparison to who else is published, like a cup, a typo here or there in an 80,000 word novel is really not that bad. (laughs) So yeah, absolutely. I try to tell myself that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, my, my grammar, uh, for example, is impeccable. Like my, I have very, very good grammar and I sent you that draft and you found things that I, I was almost embarrassed about. I'm like, how did that get in there? Because you reread your own stuff and you just don't see it. You know, and a lot of times it's a type Your brain literally can't. Your brain, they've done studies. Like when you read something and it's spelled wrong, but you know what it's supposed to say, <laughs> you see that. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's impossible to not to, uh, to, it's impossible to see the mistakes. And because you're literally, your brain is like filling in the letters that it should say. I know. I have students read things out loud. My high school students for like uh, uh, t- the testing and, and drafts and they'll have them read something out loud and they will fix whatever's wrong as they're mm-hmm. reading it. And I'm like, that's great, but that's not what that says. And they look at it, they're like, yeah. oh my gosh, you're right. I totally fixed that while I was reading it. So, but, yeah. Yeah. So the point is with editing, like, even though you are a professional editor, it's always important to get human errors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always important to get other eyes on your manuscript. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm really happy for you because I feel like you've come quite a long way. In terms Thank of, you. I mean, you initially left a, uh, you know, kind of a potential career in psychology, jumped into writing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, got this editor, yeah. just quit your your regular yeah. job and says, I'm just going to do this. Like you said, like jumping in full time. And now here you are yeah. with another novel coming out, um, you know, a sequel. It's, it's really great. You know, it's really. Thank you so much. A lot of nice, nice progress. Uh, Thank I, you. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, it took me a while to write this and I, for a long time thought that I couldn't, like I was putting it off because I just, I think I had a period of time where I was really definitely focused on the business, but I think I also was just like questioning my own writing abilities and that's terrible. Yeah. So (laughs) that took me, that was like a whole year last year where I feel like I was just really putting it off. And then this year, you know, just, and just things happening and just getting older and just like, um, you know, I working on my own, it's very isolating. And I think that just mentally I was going through like some depression and just wasn't 
I wasn't um, really committing to getting it out there. And this year I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I am putting my foot down and I'm, I am doing it. I'm done talking about it. And Mm -hmm. so I just, I, I, I hope I, I guess the reason I'm saying this is because you know, maybe people are thinking, wow, this girl, she's really getting stuff done. And, (laughs) you know, I am, but I did have a period where I I wasn't. And I, I do think that, you know, a lot of it had to do with like that depressed time. And so anyway, you know, we all go through times where we feel like we, we don't have the energy or the motivation, or we are sad, or we are depressed, we are lonely, we are going through tough times. And I think honestly, if you're just keeping your head above water and you're just getting up and you're just showering and you're eating, sometimes that's all you can do. And that's okay. And just like telling yourself it, you will get better. I think that's kind of what I went through for a while was just like, I just need to get through this day. Mm-hmm. I can't even think about writing a whole novel right now. Like I can't even wrap my head around that. And thankfully I did get better. I did feel a lot better. And I will say exercise. Like I have always hated working out, (laughs) but I found a kickboxing gym and I started going and it really, I know I was like, "Ah, punching. (laughs) (laughs) And it really helps me. Like it helps your mood. It helps you feel better. You look better you're healthier. And so I highly recommend exercise because as a freelancer, you are by yourself all day Mm -hmm. and it's very isolating. And I think I got really depressed because I was by myself all the time Mm -hmm. and it was really hard. So by, by kind of forcing myself to just like be super involved with, um, I've always volunteered at like shelters, animal shelters, but just in going to my kickboxing every day, exercising, feeling good, meeting people, talking, I think that really reinvigorated me to be like, okay, I can do this. I can write this book. People want to read it. And that's that, then that's what happened this summer. So anyway, and people do want to read it. You know, you know how many people have have come on here and talked about exercising and just people I've heard on other podcasts and just and and, and, too. and oh my god a lot of people I mean exercise 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 and I was always like eh whatever but I started running recently and I go to the gym now a couple well I try to a couple times a week and I find the days yeah. the days I go to the gym I don't want to go I don't feel like it yeah. I can think of a million reasons yeah. not to I got to go do some work or whatever but the days I go mm-hmm. I'm energized the rest of the day I'm more creative I'm able to take care of what I need to take care of it's oh yeah it's amazing I was yeah. just like you I hated it I hated exercise well I don't know if you're saying you hate exercise but like I hated exercise yeah. I think honestly it's finding something that you like and I what I didn't like was the monotony of a treadmill. I was like, <laughs> I'm so bored. It is boring and I hate it. But with kickboxing or with like a very high intensity class, mm-hmm. you're constantly um, being challenged. And then you have an instructor who's pushing you to keep going. And there's the competitiveness of other people in the class. You want to, you want to like keep up with them. And yeah. so for me, it's like, bam, an hour is gone. And I just burned 600 calories and I feel <laughs> so good. So yeah, I, I, I really like it. I think if people can find what, what it is that they like, whether it be yoga or, mm-hmm. you know, Pilates or a treadmill or whatever, find yeah. it and then it will enrich it. 
or, or walking, walk running, outside, whatever. You know? like, like just anything. Yeah, right? just walk yeah. outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. so it is yeah. so helpful. Oh my yeah. gosh, like for your mood, it is like insane. Yeah. So I'm really so glad is. I did it. <laughs> yeah, I I second that. It's not easy to. Uh, at the time sometimes but yeah it's so it's a good thing just it's about the balance you know yeah it's, i think that's what you're saying whether you're a freelancer or you have a 60 hour a week job and you're trying to write in the mornings and evenings or whatever you're doing it's about balance right you need the social mm-hmm. aspect you need the physical aspect and you need to you know have the discipline to sit down and do what you want to do mm-hmm. yeah right? yeah definitely that's, I think that's a good good, good takeaway here for sure you know yeah so, um, so you have this, you have this novel coming out, the sequel. I imagine you've got a launch strategy and a marketing push to come up, and then you probably will take some time off before writing the third book, right? I'm assuming, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have like a lot of marketing. I saw that was in the outline, and it was like, "How do you market?" And I was like, "I don't." <laughs> I mean, I do in the sense that like I have social media and stuff, but I don't really like it that much. Like I am not a big Twitter person. I'm not, I don't really spend a lot of time on social media. So, and, and for me, honestly, the thing is as an indie author, I feel, or any author, I mean, traditional or self-published, the best thing you can do is to write the next book. So many authors have talked about that. Like, you know, you can spend all day long, tweeting, retweeting, blah, blah. And it's just like, at the end of the day, I don't think that you're really accomplishing that much because people have such a short attention span that it's just better to have five books in a series Mm -hmm. and have people buying all five of them than to have (laughs) one or two books in a series (laughs) and be spending all this time and money trying to market them. Like it just especially now in this very, very saturated market of Amazon eBooks and stuff like it is just the best thing to do. You see the people that are the most successful now are ones that have 10 books out. Mm -hmm. Like they have multiple series. People are buying all the series and the readers are doing the marketing for them. Yeah, exactly. So I honestly, that's, that's kind of my, that is my direction is just like, put out the best book I can with the best cover. Just, it looks nice. It, it's, it, people will enjoy it. They get a lot out of it. The best book I can take my time on that. And then, yeah, take a small break and then, and then work on the next one. I'm not going to hire a PR team right now. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do Facebook advertising. I'm not going to spend money because honestly, I don't think there's any point. Right. Not right now. Yeah. Well, I think your marketing is, 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 it's your marketing is not necessarily marketing. It's like your, your blog brings people in, you know, I mean, getting picked up on the passive voice. I mean, that's, there's a lot of visibility there, right? Um, yeah. Writing the next book, you have a good, I think, you know, you have an email list that seems like it's full of active fans. Right. And I think for yeah, you, it's letter, cultivating I, that. Yeah. It's just being present. And honestly, mm-hmm. like I just try to be really funny and entertaining because right. I, I don't, I don't want to, when it's me going on Twitter, I don't want to see like retweeted links or Mm -hmm. hashtag, hashtag, hashtag. That's so boring. I am like, okay, Mm -hmm. are you a funny person? Because if you're a funny person, you probably write funny books. And Mm -hmm. if you write funny books, if you write books that have funny characters, I will like them because, okay, I'm, I'm rereading Harry Potter right now. 
cool. And I'm, I'm reading the second one and it's so funny to read it as a, as an adult and as an editor, because uh, like an editor author, because I'm coming to it with just like such a different perspective. She uses adverbs like almost every single sentence. Mm. And that is like one of the hugest no nos of fiction ever. Stephen King's like never use adverbs ever. She uses them so much. I'm like, I can't believe it. But the thing is her writing, the reason why her writing is so amazing is because her characters are so witty, funny. There's just like so much humor infused in her stories. And I'm like, this is why people love your books. It's because you are just, everything is just so like funny and witty. You're, you're just sucked into it that even if there's like a little bit of a, a clunky sounding sentence with two adverbs together, it's, it's forgiven because people love, they love the material. They love the characters. And I think that that's like the main takeaway from my sort of social media uh, platform or uh, persona is I just want people to think I'm funny and entertaining and they, that they like me because if they like me, they're going to, they're going to want to read my books. Yeah, there's that. It's not going to be, look, I have 50 reviews. It's like, oh, single life. Like, this is what this guy just said to me. Yay. Like, you know, something <laughs> funny, a, a funny, a funny meme or something like, mm-hmm. or I don't even know. Is it meme or mem? I don't know. I'm probably saying it wrong, but I, I say meme. Like, so. okay. So meme, mm-hmm. like I'm obsessed with Jennifer Lawrence. I, I love her so much. I feel like we're, I feel like we're destined to be best friends and everybody who is like follows my Facebook or whatever, they see my posts that I'm just like, see, we're BFFs. Like that is me, me and Jennifer Lawrence, we're the same person. And yeah. like, it's just stuff like that. I feel like that's so much more fun than obviously here's my Amazon link review right. blah. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. yeah. You had some things a long time ago about uh, your experiences on Tinder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's that whole no, like awful. Thing, right? Oh my God. Uh, it is right. so online dating. Whew, I, I've had so many people that are like, you need to write a book about what you've gone through. And just, you know, I, I thought about that doing some like kind of a funny, either a funny fiction or even a memoir of like my experiences and my friends experiences when it comes to online dating and being a, being a 20 something or 30 something year old in the dating world. It's just like, it is funny. It's pretty crazy. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's changed. <laughs> what people say. Yeah. If people want to get to know you and like you and trust you, um, where, where can they go? Um, I would say the main place, uh, to see about my books and awards and my editing and stuff is going to be my website. And that's www.ashleyrcarlson.com. All of this stuff is there. They can contact me through that. You know, there's a contact link. They can send me a message. And then also on my about page on my website, has my Twitter. It has my Facebook. It has, uh, I think my Google plus, which I never use. So for like no point going there. And I do have a Snapchat. Like I rarely post on there, but it's Ashley R Carlson. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in all these different places. Uh, I can be reached at any time and I always respond really quickly. Mm -hmm. I would say the main thing is the website. 
Yeah, so AshleyRCarlson.com. For sure. And if people go to uh, TheWetsPodcast.com, I'll put show notes where I'll put a link to your site and uh, hopefully maybe an image of the cover of your new book because it's an awesome cover. Yeah, actually. I think so. <laughs> um, Yeah, Thank really you. great covers. Um, and everything else you need will be uh, will be at TheWetsPodcast.com or you can go to AshleyRCarlson.com. It'll all be there. Yeah. So, And you are the uh, – <clears throat> oh, man. <laughs> Two podcasts, Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, two podcasts in like oh, less than twenty four hours. Hold on a second. Wow, <clears throat> you're the you are the first person I've had on the podcast twice. You're the first repeat repeat wow. guest. <laughs> so uh, I'm really glad. You, I'm, so awesome. <laughs> I'm really glad you came back. You know? <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad we stayed friends. Me too. Me too. Yeah, it's been great. And maybe I'll check back in with you two years from now and, uh, you know, have you back on. I hope I have like five books published. Right. That'd yeah. be awesome. You and me that both. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, maybe we both will. So yeah, That would be so cool. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It was awesome. I love, I love checking in with you.